Hello and welcome to the For The Win podcast. My name's Luke Curdenine and I'm here with our native New Yorker, Charles Chazza Curtis. What's up, Charles? I'm good. How you doing? Love, it. love that nickname. I love it too. I love it too. But first, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be talking about New York sports, the ups, the downs, the Yankees, which I'm sure you're just thrilled about. But first, I think congratulations are in order. Um, you're 1-0 on your picks this week. This is, this is incredible stuff. Maybe you can explain <laughs> some background for our listeners. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I'm I'm the resident fantasy expert on uh, on on for the win, which means that a few times I've been right about certain things, so I can sort of hang my hat on that. But he is, he is being, he, by the way, he is being modest. Charles is so often right on so many facets of fantasy sports, but a slight deficiency when it comes to just outright picking. Um, That's as right. the yeah. Show. Yeah, I'm just awful at, at picking up the spread this season. I've been way off. I've had a losing record. I think Luke pointed out last week that if you had bet against my picks, you would actually have like a 57-win record this season. So this week, I decided to pull what I called the Costanza, which I've been threatening for weeks, and taking the complete opposite of what my instincts said. And Thursday night, we're taping this on Friday, I actually ended up picking the Oakland Raiders because I took the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. So this might work out to be a very interesting week. An interesting week, and to be fair, the it has been absolute carnage for betters in the NFL season this year. Underdogs have been just absolutely pulling stuff out of nowhere, and as I said, Charles is incredibly good at picking fancy sports. We all laughed at him earlier this season when you were tipping Kareem Hunt, and you were really tipping him early, and he just exploded as soon as the season went off. So, um, yeah, you should check out all that stuff at, for the win. But that's not why we're here. We're here on the on the eve of uh, on the eve of game 6 the yankees could be landing in the world series if they come away from this with a win um, i'm here with our native new yorker to talk about new york sports and specifically which sports team above all else is the heart and soul of new york sports so let's start let's start with the new york yankees you know charles we live in the same neighborhood in new york i walk into my baker today and and instead of seeing black and white cookies i see blue and white cookies with new york yankees over them um i think it's fair to say that there's not there's a real buzz around new york but there's also kind of a buzz around sports when the new york yankees are doing well i mean is that fair to say absolutely well the yankees i mean i i grew up with uh, let me tell our, our listeners i'm a mets fan let's start off with that and i'm also i've also rooted my whole life the knicks the rangers and the Giants. And so I, I have one stable franchise in my sort of my roster. Um, so I'm not a Yankees fan, so I can't sort of bask in the glow of the Yankees glory that while I was growing up, they became a dynasty. They, you know, they win in 96, which I actually kind of rooted for, you know, like, you know, and then from there I was like, no, I can't root for this team anymore, like, you know, just in the playoffs. Um, but when the Yankees are winning, it's sort of almost like business as usual in a way. And I can't describe it anyway. Like it feels normal to everybody in New York when they're not winning, when they had that one down season where they kind of set up what ended up being the team that could go to the world series here, uh, by sort of trading away everybody and, 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 uh, amassing picks and, and young players that was depressing because there are all these people who expect the Yankees to win every year and they just weren't doing it. And so it really, it, it just put a damper on, on, on sports fans lives here. Um, but I would say that them winning just feels normal to New Yorkers. It's, it's like, Oh, another day, the Yankees won this and that. It, it's kind of an interesting feeling. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like, uh, yeah, like you said, that, that 
I, I, we'll get on to some of the other teams in a minute and some of the other sports in a minute too. But, um, the, you, you know, it's a bit of a cliche in sports, but I think it's true, so I don't mind repeating it, is that New York, the city of New York loves winners. Now, I... I uh, I remember I used to go to spring training um, to watch the Yankees in spring training down when I was in college in South Carolina, which is nearby Florida, obviously. And um, and this was at the time when A-Rod had just sort of signed for the Yankees and he wasn't really doing much in the postseason. And a lot of native or sort of a lot of New York Yankees fans who were down there, to, to say they didn't like A-Rod is like an understatement. They were ripping him. You know, they like really couldn't stand him. And then he started hitting in the playoffs and, and, and all was forgiven. But to me, I came away from that game thinking, man, this is something so unlike other fan bases in the sense that um, it's not enough. You, like they kind of have to prove themselves. To, to their own fans in many ways. You know, they kind of get booed before they get cheered. And then if they make it past that threshold, become a Derek Jeter or an Eli Manning or something, then all is forgiven forever. And they have your back because you brought gold to New York. I mean, um, and, and it seems like that, even though it happens with individual players, it, it seems like the Yankees are sort of the epitome of that very New York centric mindset in the sense that like well, you, bring up, you bring up a really interesting point there about A-Rod because I'm not sure and again this is me with blinders on because I'm a New Yorker I've lived in New York almost all my life in terms of you know I went away to Philadelphia for college which I got a little taste of what it's like to be a Philly fan just to see what Philly fans were like to me <clears throat> over the years uh, but but my point is you know you bring up A-Rod really highly paid guy, supposed to be a superstar. So I think New Yorkers and other, I don't know if other fan bases do this, but they turn against the guy if he's supposed to be a superstar and yeah. he doesn't perform the way he does. On the flip side, New York and especially Yankee fans, they love their like unsung heroes. Um, Scott Brocious is a great example. Scott Brocious, third baseman for one of the, or was he multiple championships? I think he's won more than one ring with the Yankees, but sort of one of those heart and soul gutsy comes to the park every day kind of you have a hard working uh, players and for he'll forever be he'll never have to pay for a drink in new york ever again so there's like an example of a guy who i think of like right off the bat who is you know sort of one of the the unsung heroes who, who fans love bernie williams is or like, another Yankee or like a john or like a john sparks type for the new york knicks right like a, a like a real john starks yeah, yeah john yeah. starks yeah exactly like a yeah. real like scrappy like grinded out um you know worker i feel like i feel like really endearing to this fan which is just so funny. We can get into the hoop stuff later, but John Starks is now forever blamed for for shooting. I think it's two of nineteen in Game Seven of the of the uh, the ninety four Finals. So <laughs> you know, John Starks comes with a bit of an asterisk. But yes, before that, and I think in in totality of his career, he's another one of those guys. You know, undrafted or you know, sort of low drafted um, guy who worked his tail off to become a six man of the year. Uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a secondary scorer alongside Patrick Ewing. So yeah. Those guys, if you are New York, you know, if you're in New York and you do that, you're you're a hero forever. You're a hero, yeah. So there's a real buzz around because the Yankees are good and New York, you can really sense is excited. But on the flip side of that, Charles, uh, tell me about the Mets. How how, how are you feeling, buddy? Uh, it's 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 just tough to be a Mets fan. It just really is uh, because you know every year there's there's always something and there's always something hanging over the team and uh, you know the Mets have just since uh, since winning it all in '86 they just have uh, they've fallen short in a few ways, especially for Yankees fans. 
they can always talk about the Subway Series in 2000. I was in college and just watched with sort of my head. I, I did the, what do they call it, the Surrender Cobra while watching <laughs> the whole series. You know, my, my hands on my head, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's it, the, the tough thing about being a Mets fan is is you're just, you're the butt of so many jokes. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a Jets fan, but I do know that it's similar to that in that you're sort of always looking at the franchise as a whole over the years and saying, well, we we won. I mean, the Jets haven't done this, but the Mets, you know, we won in 86. But since then, like, what have we really done? We've got, you know, you can start naming things like Carlos Beltran not taking the bat off his shoulders in Game 7 of the NLCS against the Cardinals in, what was that? It was that oh. Five oh six, and then they like blew huge leads in the division the next couple of years, um, so on and so forth, and 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 you know a, a Bernie Madoff that always comes up, so it, it's all the stuff that just piles up, and so when the Mets are winning, it, it feels like uh, a, a relief, a little break from 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 the norm. Now, yeah, and and, and now I'm interested too for. Again, this is a very New York-centric podcast, but sorry, the Yankees are a big story in sports right now. But one thing I'm curious about is the uh, the geographic divide of who roots for these teams. So I've heard a lot of New Yorkers say, you know, like Manhattan, like like people who live on Manhattan or like true, quote-unquote, true New Yorkers root for the Mets and the Jets and the Knicks. And then I've heard other people say, no, the Giants. Like, how does this divide exactly? Now, you and Ted are both Mets fans, right? And you're, but, but you both came from different parts of New York before living in Manhattan. So, like, maybe you can explain to me as a, I guess, an adopted New Yorker, how, how, how does it work? How do the territories align? Uh, it, it, it's, it bleeds into each other. You can't, I don't think you can definitively say, oh, somebody from Long Island has to be or definitely going to be a Jets and Mets fan. I have found, and this is, again, you know, unscientifically, that people from Long Island or Queens automatically, not automatically, a bunch of them are, are Mets fans because the Mets are there, or it depends on sort of where your parents are from uh, or things like that. Um, and, and, if, just, and just to back up for, for listeners' perspective, Long Island is yeah. east of Manhattan, which is obviously the island, and then um, there's sort of the Bronx, and then uh, upstate New York, obviously, which is sort of, and Connecticut and all that, which is north. Um, sorry, but continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. And, and, and so, you know, I found that, that, you know, there are people who actually ask me, they'll say to me, why? You know, you're a Mets fan, but you're also a Giants fan. I've never seen that. And I go, well, it doesn't work like that. It, there's no automatic thing. But yes, people who are in the Bronx, uh, you know, my my, uh, you know, uh, my mother-in-law grew up in, in in the Bronx. She is a Yankees fan. Um, you know, um, there's no real divider with that. Um, but I, I've just found that that there's a really interesting, a psychological, I'd call it, association with the fact that like. Mets fans or Jets fans and Yankees fans or Giants fans, sort of like the front runners group together and the underdogs group together. And it doesn't quite work like that, but it's it's really fascinating to see this perception that there are certain you know dividing lines that you can automatically say like, oh, you know, somebody from Queens where the Mets play is is not going to be a Yankees fan. It's not true. Support for the For the Win podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. 
That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com FTW. That's rocketmortgage.com FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Yeah, right now, it, it just seems from an outsider's perspective that even though the Mets, there, there are no shortage of fans, no shortage of Mets fans by any by, by any stretch. Um, it seems like that the that at least people coming into New York are more used to knowing that the Yankees are good, and so they generally just sort of gravitate towards that team as their primary option. Um, uh, when you're sort of moving to New York, but. Two teams who aren't very good, the New York Giants, I'm sorry to say, Charles, and the New York Jets, <laughs> who are not good, but slightly better than they thought they'd be. Um, I guess we've just established that the Yankees are sort of, you could definitely say they're sort of the heart and soul of New York sports, but could you make an argument for either the Jets or the Giants? Uh, you know, I, I, we'll get to the Knicks, and, and that's where I'll, I'll answer that. I will say about the Giants and Jets, it's, it's interesting because obviously they play New Jersey, so that's always a factor. So you get some folks from, you know, New Jersey also has ownership of, of this team, and uh, both those teams, I should say. And I, I just think that you could make a case that, that New York loves its football, but it's not necessarily a football town. Like, if you put a sort of a, a gun to my head and said, okay, what kind of city is New York City? Which sport does it gravitate toward the most? I'm actually going to say basketball, which, again, I don't want to spoil it. We'll get to it soon. I don't think we're a football town. I would think that a city like Pittsburgh, for example, is more of a football town, that, that they love their football above all else. More of a, um, more of a suburb. And, you know, Pittsburgh, like, obviously has, like, a city center and all of that. But uh, there's a lot of... Um, it's sort of a suburban city in that sense, a bit like Baltimore, where there are a lot of houses with yards and fences, and you drive, and you can, have, and you have a car. Whereas, if you're growing up or living in New York, as both of uh, both of us are, we we don't have, uh, you, you know, we don't have like backyards and like the traditional like white picket fences around a, around a backyard and a car and all of that stuff. So, um, it just it's it's just bring. It, I, I think it sort of takes you, it makes you one more step removed from uh, from American football or football, right? Because it's just, it's primarily kind of a big open spaces game just by nature of the sport that it is. Right, well, and that being said, I mean, this this town loves its football too, you know? It, yeah. it, it's, it's not that, that it's a bad, it's not like a, a negative town. It's not like, you know, it's like everyone's, you know, like, ignore, it's not like LA where they're ignoring football, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of suffering with the Giants, a lot of suffering with the Jets uh, over the years. Um, had a lot of conversations with, with Jets fans sort of patting them back, being like, it's okay, it's okay. And now, you know, Giants fans are sort of huddling together and saying, oh, what are we going to do with this team? And, and uh, um, it makes Sundays a lot less fun when you're trying to go to a bar and, and, and watch some football. And this is the problem. It may not be their sort of primary love, but 
as we sort of alluded to earlier, New York fans want to win in, in, in every respect. And, and um, I, you know, the Giants have certainly done that in the past, especially the manner in which they did at both times in the Super Bowl. But um, I think this is a constant problem that both the Giants and the Jets, I mean, I know you. I've told you this theory, and but it's just something they constantly run into where, the, the fan base is so, and the tabloid culture uh, of the newspapers in New York is so harsh that when a team is awful, it's just humiliation upon ridicule, among, upon criticism, and it just, it's really hard for a team to bottom out in New York because you, the scrutiny, both from the New York media and the sort of at-large uh, greater national media is so intense that it makes it really hard to be bad uh, for, for a long period of time. Well, this has been interesting, particularly this season, because as I, as I said before, I rooted, I've rooted for one consistent franchise over the years, the Giants. And to see them falter the way they are this season and sort of what their expectations were coming into the season, it's kind of jarring, actually, because I, I, can't, I can remember the last time the Giants were this bad was right before they drafted Eli Manning. Um, and, and they were kind of having a rough go of it. They had a string of, of quarterbacks, you know, sort of post Kerry Collins, um, you know, post that Super Bowl appearance um, in 2001, right? It was the 2001 or whatever, that Super Bowl, where they got trounced by the, the Baltimore Ravens. It's a really interesting time because all these Giants fans are so used to this team sort of being built the right way and uh, becoming sort of the, the feisty not quite favorite, but un- good enough underdog to win. They've done it twice with the, you know, the Eli Manning-led Giants and the defenses that can do it. So it's been a very interesting year to have those expectations finally crushed. And so I think Giants fans everywhere are kind of like in shock a little bit. Like, wait, we're supposed to be the, the Eli Manning Giants are supposed to be the team that beats the Patriots, right? Right? <laughs> you know, so it, it's a very interesting, uh, different time to, to be be doing this. Well, at least you never lost a 28-3 lead in a Super Bowl. But moving uh, on... Yeah, says the Falcons fan, exactly. <laughs> moving on, you, we were on the subject of just awful teams, um, tell me about the New York Knicks, Charles. The team that I think we both agree, you alluded to it earlier, is, uh, for better or for worse, the true sort of, uh, the true heart and soul of New York sports. Right. So this is my big argument that I've made many, many times over the years, that, that New York's actually a basketball town. Um, you have a lot of the sort of the older fan base that I, I, I you know, I have a, an, uh, an uncle-in-law, will call them, that we always talk about the Knicks. He grew up watching all these great New York college teams before this sort of the, the betting scandal that, that kind of effectively for a while shut down New York uh, uh, basketball. But you have all these, you know, amazing point guards who've come out of New York and uh, uh, incredible players. And then you get to the Knicks, who, when they're good, the town is buzzing in a way that they aren't when the Yankees are winning. That's my argument because I think the Yankees, like I said, it's business as usual. The Yankees are supposed to win. They're, they're consistent. They spend the money. They, you know, they, they finally this year did, you know, the last couple of years did things the right way and sort of tanked for one year and then look at what they're doing now. The Knicks, on the other hand, being a laughing stock of the league and of, of sports in general, is it's soul-crushing for New Yorkers because when, when the Knicks were good in the 90s, with Patrick Ewing and John Starks and, uh, you know, all those teams. And then, like, the team that went to the NBA Finals against the Spurs one year in 2000, I think it was 2000, right? That was, like, the buzz around New York is just, you can feel it, and people are talking about it. And, you know, like you said, the tabloids, they're all over it. Um, um, it it's really kind of, you know, people don't realize this. And the proof that I have of that is 
I covered Linsanity um, when I was working for the Daily in, in uh, the, the you know a few years back, which was the the iPad only uh, publication put forth by Fox. I was sent to the Garden the day after the Super Bowl. The Giants won the Super Bowl, and they said, you know, go go and see about this Lin guy because he just <laughs> broken out. And I went, and it, the sound that came from the Garden that night, I never, I hadn't heard that since the '90s, since the like a Knicks Bulls game in the '90s when Jordan was playing. The, it just the way that they embraced Jeremy Lin and, and the hype that came around him and and, and all of that was incredible. And, and it was, that proves to me that New York is a basketball town because of the way that Jeremy Lin and Lin Sanity came along. Yeah, and so it's funny because I actually moved to New York at the tail end of Lin Sanity and I could not believe how much buzz was around the city. I mean, people, every day it was on, it was on like both, both the New York Daily News and the New York Post back cover, something about Jeremy Lin, you know, there were just billboards everywhere, and I totally agree with you. Obviously, I don't have as much uh, perspective as you did because I wasn't here when the Knicks were good in the 90s, but just seeing how that sort of captivated the city, and any time there's a hint of any time the Knicks could be good or mellow, you know, maybe mellow's coming, or, you know, you look at Kristaps Porzingis and how he's sort of taken off. I feel like people are just... They stand by the Knicks when they're bad, and, and they want the Knicks to be good so badly. Um, partly, probably, because, as we were saying earlier, you, you walk around New York, especially uptown, there, there are basketball courts everywhere. Like, everywhere. I mean, all over the place there are basketball courts. Um, and I think that sort of ingrains itself in the, in the culture a, a little bit. There's only, obviously, there's a Brooklyn Nets now, but for the longest time it was only the New York Knicks were kind of the one unifying New York team. And I just... I totally agree with you, just from my somewhat outsider's perspective, that people want the Knicks to be good so badly, and it just destroys them when they're not. Yeah, and also the NBA is constructed in a way that if you are bad, you're bad for a while. So it's it's tough to sort of have back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back bad years. There was one decent year where, where the Carmelo-led Knicks were good. And again, like I went to a bar and there were a bunch of Knicks fans there. It was also the same day as a Rangers game. So I actually had my, I, I was watching both at the same time with like my shoulders, you know, um, parallel to the, no perpendicular to two TVs. So I can watch them both. Um, and that's just, you know, that's the dream is, is to have the Knicks win a championship for the first time since the, you know, 1970, since the, you know, the, the Willis Reed uh, Knicks and, and, uh, and Walt Frazier and all that. It's, it's just a really tough time uh, for Knicks fans. And uh, now they're sort of like in the mentality of like, all right, let's tank, let's go, let's build a, you know, a team around Porzingis a little bit. And so there is always just a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope. All right, Charles, well, we've gone a little long, but before I let you go, um, tell me what, what's going to happen tonight. Is, is the Yankees going to land in their, fir- in their first World Series in, what, close to 10 years or something, or, or, is, or is the Astros going to tie it up? What's going to happen? I think the Yankees win it. I think they are, they're playing really good baseball. I think that the bats are finally where they should be, you know, especially Aaron Judge. I think that their, their bullpen, once it gets their bullpen, uh, and they've got a lead, um, Houston and other teams are in trouble. I say the Yankees win it. They're going to the World Series. We'll see how they do against the Dodgers. That's going to be a challenge, assuming they go. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Charles. You can check out all Charles's work at ftw.usatoday.com, or you can follow him and yell at him, preferably on Twitter, at by Charles Curtis. Is that right, Charles? 
That is correct. All the fantasy content, all the other kind of content, so check it out. Um, Charles, th- thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Luke. All right, take it easy.